podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nina Kauser Show. Um, it's great to be back. Obviously, missed the Forest game, but it's great to get back on the ho- on the hosting mic and um, another win for the Reds. Two uh, one against West Ham away from home. I'm not gonna lie, I was a bit nervous about this one. I thought this is where maybe we 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 hit a hit a brick wall, but no. Um, uh, three points. Thank you very much. And joining me on this podcast, it was a late one, but I've got two incredible guests. So let me introduce them to you. If it's a late kickoff, this guy can normally work his schedule. So I'm delighted to have back on Steve. Steve, welcome back. And we did a win. And like we did sub- another win. Did, did a late sub in and we did a win. So it worked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. listeners should be aware that Justin was initially meant to be on Justin Wells, but something came up for him and Steve was there on, on the sidelines, warmed up, ready to go. And here we are. And his record is absolutely impeccable. So, you know. So we, so we should thank Justin for the win, basically. Yeah, let's, let's, let's thank Justin. Justin, thank you. And joining, joining Steve on this pod... She thought it was going to be an American hostile takeover on the NKS show. She's wonderful. She's fabulous. It's Lisa Marie. Welcome back. Happy to be back. I was just trying to remember. It's been a while since I've been on. And I think yes. the last time was um, when I drug myself out of bed for that Bournemouth abomination. So it's more pleasant. And um always happy to be on with Steve. Although I, I was kind of looking forward to Justin and I throwing in all the American slang that we could, but that's okay. <laughs> another time. <laughs> uh, I, I personally, there, there I will be another opportunity for us to do that to you. Plenty more, plenty more. I just personally think Justin tried dodging the the question about the Knicks. Um. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, enough about that. The Reds did another win, guys. Um. I want to get uh, get your quick thoughts on this one, Lisa. How you um? How do you feel after that one? Um. Uh, obviously, the Konate injury was a big one. Um. Matip steps in. Pretty much unchanged side by Jurgen Klopp, but obviously the, the the change that he had to make. I think we're at that stage now where we're not surprised with the team lineup, and if they fit, that's what he's going to go with. I mean, w- would you have made any changes? Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of would have liked to have seen Tiago start instead of Henderson. Um. Mm-hmm. So, and and I'm really surprised because that's quite a few in a row for Henderson. Um. So. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, I, I was okay with the front three remaining the same mm. because I, I feel like they're kind of starting to get a bit of, you know, understanding and flow, you know, and, and while Jada didn't score today, you know, keeping him kind of on a forward momentum was good. It really, really was. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I think I think with the Hendel thing as well. I mean, I think anyone would have favoured Thiago, but I think probably injuries and managing his minutes. I think that's probably the logic. And we'll we'll talk about the Hendel and and player performances. Steve, um, same question to you. Thoughts after the result and the team lineup. A few weeks ago, I'd just given up on the season. I was like, we're coming eighth. I've had enough. I'll see you all in June. But the last three weeks of my optimistic last season self is starting to come back. There might be a late charge because Spurs are rubbish and United are United. So, you know, let's not rule out a fun end to the season with some massive draw on the last day of the season. That's kind of how I started to feel as the game came on, especially when we concede and then win. And it's all the limbs to get the winner. So I was like, oh, no, no, maybe we're going back on that fun trajectory. We've got a bit of a hype train for six more games, whatever it is. But I mean, the lineup's the lineup, right? We know that Darwin's not going to play until he learns English. Klopp said it. Yeah. Diaz, we want him to come back bit by bit until he's super fit. And let's just look after Thiago and not break him. So we've got a fit and firing Thiago we can use really well next season. So yeah, it was it was fine. And we didn't do something mad like start Milner for no apparent reason. So yeah, so we, it's the best we could hope for with where we are right now. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a question for you, uh, both of you. I'll come to Lisa first with this one. It's by Ash Orfor, and his question is: With the Everton play, with the Ed playing Newcastle tomorrow, do we want Dyche to do us a favour tomorrow to boost our top four chances? or lose and increase the chances of them going down? I'm, it's a pretty easy one for me. Harinder's answered it as well. I might as well read Harinder's answer as well. He's on like, he's on Discord. So, hey, Harinder. Um, so, he, he was like, yes, because they now have added um, impetus to try to, to try giving Forrest one tonight. Um, in, in other results, Frank is a hero we didn't need, but we deserve. Yeah, of course, Forrest beat Brighton. So, I mean, Lisa, the question to you, Everton... They never ever do us a favour. They will literally give up top four football. I remember the top four football was on the line for them and they threw it away because they didn't want us to go and win the league. They are incredibly petty. We know this. Do you think they can do it and will you be supporting them tomorrow? <laughs> you know, I I I I mean I think the chances of them doing that, whether to um help us or not, are probably pretty slim um you know Newcastle's really on a roll right now and Everton is Everton so yeah um I don't know I guess we'll kind of have to see how how it all plays out I mean I think even if Newcastle don't win tomorrow I mean it's a slim outside chance for us to make top four I mean I haven't really done all the calculations recently but I think there's a lot of other things that would have to go our way for for that. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I've talked about this on some other podcast where a year, I guess it was last year when it was kind of looking like Everton might go down. I was like, oh no, I, you know, I like the Derby. I don't want that. Now I'm just like, yeah, I'm good with that. They can go down because they've just really, they're just miserable. Um, and so, yeah. So either way, I mean, you know, either way it could be a win for us, I suppose. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. See, the thing is, Steve, Everton did create a bit of a shock when they beat Arsenal this season. Like, they do have it in them. They're not very good, but it's that hope that you hold on to. But 
I, like I've said, they're incredibly petty. They'd rather go down than for us to finish fourth, let alone how we feel about the situation. How do you feel? Do you think they can do something, given the fact that the where Newcastle are, how they're playing, what they did over the weekend to Spurs? Do, is there, is there a, a thin slice of hope for you in that game? I think there's a big worm-mouth slice of hope of a nil-nil solid Daishi special. Well, there you go. Really? That, that could be interesting. I think, I think that's, the, that, that's the optimist in me, is a good quality Sean Dyche one nine zero tactics and, you know, nil-nil. Just going to play all the defenders and leave somebody hanging out to dry up front because uh, they're, they're just rubbish. They're just really rubbish. Like Frank Lampard is just showing everyone how rubbish he is. But also Everton are rubbish because Daishi's all right and he's just can't make them win. They're just they're just they're just bad. It's yeah, there's only so much you can comic. do. Yeah, if they get a nil nil, they get some sort of magic. They're not going to win. It's like clinging on to hope that Man United lose every game to the end of the season. I just I just don't see it. I think they might if, if they're lucky, they might get a nil nil. What's that? They're just too rubbish. They're so rubbish, even if they tried to lose, they wouldn't be able to lose because that would require them being able to do something that they're trying to actually like mm-hmm. do. That's how bad they are this year. Fair. Right, Steve, I'm going to stick with you. We have another question from You Never Walk Alone Foodie. His question to both of you is, um, do you think Klopp will start Matip Again, over a fit Konate, given the fact that Matip was very, very solid today, got the winner as well, you know, calling 50p head, that was a bullet of a header. Um, uh, so so what do you think Jurgen Klopp does here? Does he play his preferred or does he um, play the player that actually um, uh, stepped up to when he needed to perform? I think they'll Mat- both play. I think Matip will get a couple of games and then before he gets broken, we'll get rotated out for Ebo, who will get a couple more games. Uh, I don't think we'll see one player, unless Ebo gets is injured for the rest of the season, plays six games on the bounce. I think we'll rotate them out a bit because Matip can't really play three games in eight games, eight days and things like that of that nature. So yeah, we'll see a bit of both. And we might even go with something that Klopp was good at once upon a time, right? Of like situational selections. So let's put on Matip at the right games. Because it was fun watching him run forward today, wasn't it? Yeah, he went, he went on a mad run in the first half. Again, I saw it and I just smiled. But yes, um, Lisa, same question to you. I mean, we do have a lot of games coming up. Obviously, we've had this one. Then we've got one over the weekend against Spurs. Then we've got another midweek game and then another game over the weekend. I mean, and it's it's going to be pretty intense. Of course, Spurs, Fulham and Brentford are next, uh, our next opposition. So how do you think Jürgen Klopp plays this? Because I think we can all agree Matip was solid. He was good. He was actually excellent, certainly in the second half. He also won man of the match on, on BT Sports, where, where we watched the game, where I watched the game, should I say. So um, I'd love to get your thoughts. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, 
and a licence with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Well, I mean, obviously that's assuming Kanate's fit to come back in um, in the next match or so. You know, I think a little bit of it is going to depend on the opposite. A, if Kanate's fit, and then B, depending on the opposition, because I think sometimes, you know, if they are both available, that's kind of part of the call to make is, you know, who – who are they, you know, the type of players, the type of, you know, game that they're they're likely to be up against. I mean, I think when we need a bit more ace and physicality that Kanate is probably the better shout. But, yeah, I mean, I, I will I will say when I saw Matip in the lineup tonight, I was kind of like, uh, but okay, Kanate is injured. And he was. He was fantastic. And, you know, I mean, we'll get to it, but that goal was incredible. So, you know, I, I would... I'm fine with Matip, um, you know, if he's in for the next game or two. Um, but I do think a little bit of it is going to depend on, you know, who, who we're playing and what they're looking like. It does. It really does. And Lisa, I'm going to come to you first on this one because we've got to get back to the game. So far, um, those were the questions that came in so far on Discord. Right. So the game starts. It starts off at a good pace and a good tempo, in my opinion. It's sort of end-to-end, you know. Um, Five minutes in, Paqueta scores, and uh, you know, um, Antonio and Paqueta play, you know, um, a lovely um, one-two between them on on our on our right-hand side, and um, we we concede. And uh, to be fair, it was a good goal by Paqueta. I thought he had a good game, but where was your emotion, and how were you feeling after that? Because there was at least three players that error there. I, I felt like the way. Um, Henderson was just, he just got ran past. And, and then obviously the defending as well. Um, you know, I thought, oh gosh, here we go again. And I think that's when I was like, oh God, not, not one of those again. It's too late. I can't deal with this. But your thoughts when, when we conceded the goal? Those were very much my thoughts as well, Nina, was, all right, here we go again. And, you know, why, why does our defense keep, you know, or, yeah, it wasn't fully the defense, but, you know, why do they keep letting this happen? I mean, it was, I mean, I didn't see it initially. I had looked away and, you know, looked looked up right, the ball went into the net. And so, you know, when I watched back on the replay, I'm like, what are we doing? You know, are we just like, oh, hey, you know, why don't you just move on through here and have a shot? You know, just help yourself. I was like, come on. But, you know, I mean, in, to their credit, to our, to our, guys credit they you know they responded well so I mean I I think I mean obviously I would prefer that they not make these type of errors and slip-ups and oversights and mistakes or whatever words you want to use at all but but I have to say that I am more encouraged these last couple games that we're responding better to them you know than we were a few months ago so that at least is encouraging Absolutely. But I wanted to say just before that, when Jada went down, you know, with that knee or whatever to his back, that really scared me. That looked awful. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it just kind of, you know, knocked him for a minute and, and he was able to carry on. But just the angle that I saw it at, it just looked, I mean, 
it looked hard and he may have been playing it up just a bit too, you know, credit to him, but it just, that I'm, and that's, that's the thing for me personally. One of my brothers took a knee to the back like that and it bruised his kidney to the point that he nearly lost oh, it. So that was just oh. the first thing that went to my head was, oh my gosh. Mm. So, um, you know, and I, you know, again, he may have been playing it up a little bit more and, and everything else, but I'm glad that that doesn't seem to have been as serious as it, as it initially looked. Absolutely. Oh gosh, that's awful. Um, Steve, I'm going to come to you because I know, I know, um, you, you know, um, you probably didn't get a chance to see the goals because the little ones decided that they were going to, you know, create absolute chaos at your place. But, um, <laughs> the, 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 the scorecard or the, you know, you, you get the notification that Liverpool are a goal down. You know, at any point when you saw the the scoreline, did you think, oh gosh, I'm ready to give up on the season again? I mean, what were your thoughts? Because very typically this season, Liverpool do not respond well to going a goal down. And that's when my concerns were like, will the old niggling things come back again into play for Liverpool? Obviously, was it the case, but the initial thoughts when we went a goal down? Purely because of the David Moyes factor, it was a bit like, oh, that's annoying. But I didn't... It, I wasn't sat there going, oh, we're going to lose now. I was just like, oh, that's a bit annoying, but it's David Moyes. And then when I saw the goal, I was like, you can't you can't begrudge Paqueta a goal like that. Yeah. You can't begrudge the fact that the commentators were giving the weirdest pronunciation for Brazilian footballer. But, you know, it was a great, it was a lovely finish. It um, was. And <laughs> you don't beat Ali like that unless it's an absolute worldie, right? So, um I, I don't know. It's just that Moyes thing. I think he's fairly terrible. So I kind of felt that <clears throat> we would turn it around and we did so pretty quickly. I heard all of it. I could hear all the commentary. I just had to wait to watch the actual goal for a little while. Yeah, you did. And I honest go when Paqueta scored that goal, I just said, that's a great goal. Sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say, you know what? We got done there by by something um really special. I'm going to go to um Kieran who is patiently waiting and, and wants to call in. So um Kieran, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Wonderful. It's great to have you back on, Kieran. Um the floor is yours. Take it away. Uh well it was uh it was a decent one. Um you know, um I th- you know, I think um Especially when you consider uh, when you go behind, when we went behind, um, you know, you know, it's like you said before, it was a bit of good finish, but uh, but I thought we we responded well. Um, like, and then, I mean, I thought, I mean, I think we did done enough to get the three points. Um, I thought um, Matip had a really good game for the first time in a while. Um, I thought Virgil was looked like Virgil again, other than the other than the bone goal, which thankfully was offside. I thought he was very solid as well. And look, I thought there were a number of players who stood out tonight and had some reasonably good games. But like you said before, the important thing was we got the three points to keep our hunt for uh, European football next season going. Absolutely. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Cheers. Wonderful. That was Kevin there. It's great to be back on the Nina Casa show and it's great to have Kevin calling in as well teed me up quite nicely actually and Lisa I'm going to come back to you because you know um, Kevin there speaking about a response from the Reds and um, what a response it was and um, Cody Gakpo and um, 
Again, the instrumental play of um, Trent Alexander-Arnold in, in that kind of midfield, you know, role and position where he's able to sort of get closer to the strikers. And, you know, it's not just about crosses. It's about him sort of playing the ball in into the striker's feet now in this new position, which he's absolutely flourishing in. Your thoughts on the goal? Because um, it did click the post and go in, but it, I don't care. You know, like we're, 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 we're nitpicking here. You know, we wanted a response and we got one really, really quick. Five minutes, I believe. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, and I think Cody Gakpo had a fantastic game tonight. I mean, Absolutely. I think he, he is really growing into that role, which I just want to I just want to say that when everybody was not everybody, when a lot of people were kind of down on him back, you know, February, you know, just like I'm like, look at the team the poor kid has come into. You know, how can you expect him, you know? new team, new system, and they're all playing like crap. You know, what What are you expecting from him? And, um, you know, so to me, I just think it's it's nice to see that he doesn't seem to have let his head drop. He's, you know, he's just continued to put his head down, work hard, you know, become more familiar with how we're wanting to play, the players around him and, and everything else. And and I think he just had, he had a fantastic game. And I was I was happy to see... You know, I'm happy to see anybody score, of course, but but I just, especially as he continued to play the game, I'm glad it was he that got, you know, the goal that put us back, you know, level, because um, I think it was it was well deserved, just overall for the work that he put in this evening. I, you know, I think he just played really well, but you know, I mean, something does seem to have unlocked with Trent in this in this new role. I mean, not just. It's helping us win games. But Trent seems more Trent, which I know that's, I'm not saying anything. He just looks more confident. He looks, you know, there was just something that we all talked about it, you know, earlier in the season that was just off about him for, for whatever reason. And I mean, I think it was just a, you know, it was a buildup of, or a collection of, a, you know, of a bunch of different things. But he just seems to have found his mojo again with, you know, with this, you know, system tweak. And it's just, it's just so lovely to see, isn't it? It is lovely. And I'm so glad you kind of highlighted um, Cody Gakpo there, really, really settling in and, you know, um, looking more and more established in this team and, you know, growing with confidence. Steve, second goal, I know you probably didn't watch it in real time, but you probably caught up with it. Your thoughts on, you know, how quick Liverpool responded and uh, the performances of those two players that we've highlighted there, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Cody Gakpo, who I thought were both absolutely magnificent today. And, and I think Kieran highlighted a few players that had, um, you know, great, great performances today. And those two certainly um, are high up there for me. Yeah, I thought, I thought Cody was really good. Uh, I mean, the goal he scored is what we saw him doing for his national side, right? Earlier in the year, earlier in the season. It's what we expected to see him doing, you know, shooting from the edge of the box. He likes to hit him hard and low and he scores quite a few goals in that ilk. <clears throat> Some more off, more often cutting in than he did today, but it was a it was the kind of goal that we wanted to see from him. So I was pleased to see it come off for him. I think he worked hard. I think he played well. I think I've said it before. This he's like if Dirk Kaup stood up really tall and didn't look like Dirk Kaup, that's where you, that's what you've got in Cody Gakpo, right? I think he's a He's going to get better tactically as he gets more used to Klopp and the team. He technically looks to be really good. He does seem to work hard and listen and consider the players around him. So I think um, 
I think she, once he starts to be more involved in the build-up play and start to have a positive impact in that respect, we'll see a lot more from him. I do think he'll probably drop down the pecking order behind Diaz next season once Diaz is fully fit, just because we can come on to him later. But he's so exciting when he's on the board, isn't he? But uh, again, the commentators alluded to it, but we've got all five of those our forwards fit and firing and playing well. We're going to be something to be reckoned with next year. So I thought it was a good... It's it's more good signs for a player that I do quite like. And Trent, I think you put it well, Lisa. He looks like Trent again, doesn't he? And I think this this role where he's... Alongside Fab is really helping Fabinho. Fabinho looks a lot less exposed because he's got somebody alongside him most of the time. And they seem to be playing well off of each other. And Trent's getting insane numbers of touches, some of the most touches he's had in games for us. But there's something defensively where... I don't know if you noticed it, but when teams get in behind us, like today when they got in behind us a few times, his position alongside Fabinho means he's making really good runs back to cut out the player, cutting inside. Whereas when he was more one-on-one, it was almost like he was more exposed, even though he was in a right-back position. So being able to sort of defensively attack that, because he's defensively attacking the space rather than standing off to try and prevent it. I think it suits him a lot more. Um, I think it allows him, I don't, and I don't, you know, who knows what they see on the field versus what we're watching. But, but I think to even it, it gives him that kind of clear view of, you know, what he do to cut the player off, you know, to be defensive. I think sometimes when you're on that touch, you know, when you're in that more right back position, you know, you just don't have the vision to to sort of see what that player is doing and, and maybe what, you know, they the passes or what I mean you know I mean it's just it's easy again for us to sit here and go oh, well he should have done that and why couldn't he cut that one off but, but you know what they're seeing on the field is obviously you know while they're playing the game is different from you know us watching it on TV and different camera angles and the whole bit so I think moving Trent that much you know kind of in field a little bit is allowing him to see the you know the overall picture a little bit better and respond to it you know, quicker right. and better and, and more effectively. I think you're right. It's the ability to look at, because he, he looks at the space and he's looking at what is the attacker doing and trying to predict it. And today, like he, there was one point where he appeared like a sweeper and the commentators are screaming and shouting, expecting a shot. And he just appeared behind both the centre-backs and swept them all away. There were a couple of times we got behind where he just makes good blocking runs. He doesn't necessarily win the ball, but he stops the attacker doing something. The thing, I think it really suits him. I think we, what we might see is the number eight ahead of him might sometimes have to drop more into the right back role occasionally. I don't know. But it does seem to be suiting him. He seems to be playing a lot happier. We're getting exposed less than I thought we would. And Fabinho is playing better. And the centre halves are playing better because they've got protection in front of them. So uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's really positive mood. And I think other players are playing other players are playing better because Trent is playing in an influential position where he doesn't look as exposed and he's playing with a smile on his face. And those are all really important to how we perform. So it was good to see. They were really important. And it's good um, that, you know, we, we see the best of Trent because he literally is like the key component for this team functioning. And 
I also feel like his performance as well, and another like highlight player for me. Something I kind of did notice though, and I, I don't know if they, this is like because it's a new system and obviously they're adapting to it. But I think West Ham did try, um, uh, you know, running um, our channels um, a fair bit, um, certainly on the right hand side, certainly in the first half. I felt like that's where all their activity was coming from, and obviously our our centre backs naturally because they're playing a back three will get stretched. So those two guys to slot in between this, you know, um, to slot in uh, with the defence is actually really, really crucial and handy. But do you feel like they that they were trying to attack the right hand side of our defence? Certainly on the on the byline, the touchline. I noticed that in the first half. I feel like we need to have maybe another kind of and Henderson was on that side, not having a go at Henderson, but he did struggle a fair bit in that position. I thought they got behind Robbo quite a lot. I'd be interested... In the second that. half as well. I thought in the second half, they started exploiting our left. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see the heat maps when UP look at it, because I, mm. I actually thought they attacked us ball down their right, our left, a lot more than the other way around. Because Robbo did spend a lot of time as the left centre-back on the corner of their... Yeah, well, he would, yeah. Yeah, he was really dropping back. Yeah. But yeah. He, was, he was also getting really far forward quite a lot. He was getting a lot of touches around the opposition box, so... I think a lot of the time we were playing two defenders and two defensive midfielders. So yeah, um, I, they did. They obviously did target it, and teams will target it. But I think we dealt with it well. I think, as I said before, Matip covered, um, and Eb will do so when he's back, and Joe will be able to play that role really well. You know, Trent was making those clever decisions to get back in place, and I said, right, yeah, once was. we get once we get somebody a bit more disciplined and a lot more athletic than Hendo, I think it's a system that could work really well, especially if they can get back into right back or they can drop into Trent's position so he can get into right back and not have if they've got a good fluid understanding on that side, yes. that, that hole won't be as exposed. Because Mo is a massively underrated defender as well and he does a lot. He might not get all the way back sometimes, but he does a lot. So today um, he was there were several times where I was like, wow. <laughs> Mo yeah, he's was brilliant. He was, he was, he was right back, you know, in the midst of it, um, you know, multiple times where, um, and, and again, it's not so much that he doesn't do that, but I, for whatever reason, it just, it was more noticeable to me, um, today. Now, to be fair, this is the first match that I've actually really been able to sit down and watch in real time, um, for a couple of weeks. So that may have just been what it was. Good observation. Mer is a supremely intelligent footballer, though, isn't he? So he knows oh, yeah. what to do. But he's also still so goddamn quick that if he is supporting Trent, he can also suddenly appear at the far end of the picture in about three seconds, right? So I don't think it takes away from his game either. But um, yeah, I thought they did well. I thought the rest of the the rest of the midfield functioned. And sometimes, if you've got players like Trent playing well, and they just need to function, right? They don't need to be spectacular. This is very true, considering we played most of the part of the season without a without a functioning midfield, and you know they were constantly attacking the right because they saw Trent as a as a weak link on on as as a right back. Lisa, I'll come to you. I mean, Steve, there speaking about the, you know things functioning, people functioning, and and things, and I think it's really really nice and refreshing to see more and more of Curtis Jones. I feel like this system seems to really be suiting him as well. I felt like you know his. You know, his his hold-up play is decent. I'm seeing more of him. He was sort of trying to get involved with the attackers. He was he actually put in a bit of a solid performance today. It wasn't nothing, like, ridiculously eye-catching where you're like, oh, my God, you're the best player ever. Why have we not seen you play? But 
it was good to see him functioning really well and worked hard. It was a, it was a hard working, it was a grafter performance. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes. And and you know what? That's fine. That's what we need. Heck, that's what we, you know, have needed, you know, earlier in the season. What would we have given for, you know, for some people in the midfield to put in performances like that? Um, you know, you, you certainly can't fault his effort. And I mean, and I have said for some time, you know, what, what Curtis has needed is, is playing time. You know, I mean, some of the um, things that people have criticized him for is, you know, decision making and, you know, and the other, well, a lot of that comes from experience. And if you're not playing, you know, you, you know, you just don't get that experience. And so it's been so nice. It's been one of the nice surprises, you know, in this, in this last part of the season is to see Curtis coming into the team and playing well, you know? Yeah. Maybe not, you know, not in spectacular, but I'll take a good, solid, you know, performance from someone every game, you know, as opposed to, you know, a, you know, a, an erratic, fantastic one game, crap the next game sort of thing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so it's, you know, that's, it, it's just nice to see. It, as I said, it's it's just been kind of a nice surprise for this last half of the season, or, you know, not even half, you know, this last bit of the season. It really has, and I'm gonna come to, <clears throat> I'm gonna come to um, Steve with the, with the same question. Steve, I mean Curtis Jones, it's great that he's back and he's playing and um, he's getting more and more game time, and really, really seems to be relishing and flourishing this this new setup. Yeah, I think it suits him right in the um, what through the academy and the youth system. He played a lot more as a more of a 10 type role or played in off the left. So I think playing in these eights that are in a pair further forward uh, gets the best out of him because he's got more protection behind him. He seems to be a bit more confident. But also, if he can just get consistency, if he can just keep getting those seven out of tens and occasionally doing something exciting, that's enough at this point as development. Like, we don't need to be expecting him to be getting nines and tens and goal scoring and winning matches for us. We just need to see him being consistent and above average and better than Henderson. And then he'll be a really good long-term piece. Um, I still find him quite frustrating, though. There were a few times today where I always felt like he there's an opportunity to play another player in, and I feel like he either turns his head the other way, looks away from the opportunity, or he takes one more touch and then realises that they're going to be offside or there's a defender in the way. So I do think he's... He's still not quite as 
quick thinking sometimes of the ball as he maybe should be, but he is being consistently good, which is probably more important. So I hope he improves. I hope he sticks around because for quite a while I thought he wasn't good enough and maybe I was wrong. But he's still better than Pendo and Ox at this point. So let's just keep keep playing him, get as much as we can out <laughs> in this season. As Lisa said, like he needs the games, right? Let's just give him a chance. Well, yeah, because that's part of the doing. decision making. You know, a lot of that just yeah. comes from ha- having the time on the pitch to, you know, to react and to and to do things. You know, it's just part. A lot of that is you can't necessarily teach it. It's just got to come from experience. And yeah. I think, I mean, so, like, listen to me talk like I'm some sort of yeah. And to be and and he's not had much much experience in terms of doing, but... yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a bit know, like Matip, right? right? The more exactly. he plays and proves his value and proves his way of sticking around is a positive if they can both get into good form and Matip can get some of what made Matip great back. And worst case scenario is they play really well and they put themselves in the shop window and it helps us with the building of the squad next season. So I don't think there's a lose because I can't see him suddenly playing really badly because he seems to have stepped up a little bit with his consistency. So I think it's, I think it's good for everybody. I think the only person it's bad for is Harvey. But I also think Harvey probably needs to be taken out of the limelight for a little while. So maybe it is also good for him. So I'm, yeah, lay off my I'm kid happy for a with while, it. people. <laughs> I also think Curtis will be better when he's not playing alongside Hendo because Hendo is in his, look, he's in his 30s. He's not as quick and athletic as he used to be. If we can forget the rest of the stuff. When, when, when he does get to play with other players who've got a bit more about them, you know, speed and athleticism-wise, I think it'll benefit Curtis as well, because the game won't slow down as much around him. This is also very true. I mean, whilst we're here, should we just quickly give a quick chat about Jordan Henderson? I mean, what guy, what did you guys make of his performance? I just felt like, it, for me, it was like, a, I can't even get angry anymore. It was like a pretty standard, like Jordan Henderson kind of performance, mm-hmm. where, you know, he was in the box and he was, you know, like he was trying to be involved. Like I can't say that the effort isn't there or he doesn't care. You know, he was trying to, but then at the same time, like you, you see how he just gets run past. And you know, in terms of a midfield display from a captain, it was like your standard shocking, you know, display. And I think a lot of people are now seeing it. And you know, the fact that John Henry was there as well uh, at the London Stadium, it. I, I hope like eyes have opened that you know this guy is. He was once good for us, but unfortunately, age is taking its toll on him, and he's not naturally. He's not what he used to be. I mean, Steve, what did you make of his performance? Because for me, I can't even be shocked anymore, and I can't even be shocked at Jurgen Klopp playing him. Like I've just become so desensitized, you know, like de desensitized from it all. To be honest, I don't bother checking out like the pre-match teams anymore because. You can usually turn the match on, the game on, sorry, within about 10 seconds to work out who's playing. It took about 20 <laughs> minutes until I realised Hendo was on. I was like, oh, that's who's playing alongside Curtis. And we were 1-0 down before I realised Hendo was even on the pitch. Um, it wasn't that he was bad. He was just meh. Like, I just didn't, yes. notice, I just didn't notice him. It was like, maybe he was trying to cover some of the holes that will appear because of Trent's position. I just didn't notice him trying to cover those holes. I didn't try, notice him doing too much with the ball going forward. The only thing I noticed him was every so often he'd be pressing their centre-halves or their goalkeeper. 
which I am sure Dave is going to be all over on Raw because he was all over it last week, wasn't he? he you know, he was just <laughs> doing, he was just Hendo doing Hendo things, being pretty five, six out of ten, and fairly anonymous. And I think the most useful thing he did the whole match was give the captain's armband to Van Dyke. Yeah, um, uh, I don't know. It just wasn't. So I, got, I, I got just bad to say. I've just got nothing really worth saying to say. Yeah, I think you know it's it's one of them, isn't it, Lisa? Where I'd like to get your thoughts on 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 him and his performance today because I, I felt like when he came off, we were massively improved. But we'll get to that. But your thoughts. Well, no, I, I agree with, with what Stephen was saying. It is it is almost like we're playing with 10 men. You know, he's kind of, it's it's not so much, well, I mean, I guess sometimes, yes, he does. He does things that, that harm us, but it's more that he's ineffective. I mean, I just, you know, there were passes that were just, of course, there were a lot of people whose passes were misplaced, so that's probably not a fair assessment. But it, it's just he it, – and, it, you know, it used to be where it was – I don't even know. I can't think of anything new to say. Um, it was like, oh, he's played too many matches. He needs the rest, and, you know, maybe he'd sit out one, and then he'd come back, and it was better. But it's not even that anymore. It's, it's almost like – you know, I mean, and I knew what you were saying when you said, Stephen, that, you know, the match was on for a few minutes before you realized he was even on the field. And that's, um, that's just the way it was. You know, I mean, he's, he's just sort of ineffective, I think is probably the best way to sum it up. I think he's very easy to play against as well. The amount oh, of times yeah. I saw that players just running past him. Yeah. But he's just not got the legs. And it's actually really, really, yeah. And he doesn't have the, I mean, I think in addition to the pace, there's just something about his reaction time is just that beat too slow. You know, when he's, you know, turning or, or, or something, I, you know, I can't really, you know, I'm not technical enough to, to be able to put my face on what it is specifically, but, but yeah, there, there's just something where, I mean, and we talk about that with Milner too, where, you know, he's just, he can't keep up and, um, and I, and I think, yeah, and it's just, he doesn't, I don't think he sees the game where that could make up for, you know, the loss of his legs, his pace or whatever to where, you know, if he were, if he were reading, you know, if he were just wonderful at reading the field, if you were, um, you know, to where he could kind of play, you know, conductor, you know, but I don't think he has, I don't think that is a strength for him. So it, it is, it's just, it, it does us, I don't want to say more harm than good, but but yeah, it kind of does us just more harm than good for him to be on the on the pitch. Almost you're right, um, like an American. <laughs> no, 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 you're absolutely spot on. It. I think it does do more harm because you know it it has in the past exp- exposed our defense. It's made our midfield look weak. It's made players like Fabinho having to do three people's jobs. It's a big, big strain. It's mad how one player not performing or not functioning or not having the physical capabilities to do their job, the amount of strain it has on the rest of the teammates. So I think it is a big thing. And I hope Jurgen Klopp, you know, sees the writing on the wall and, you know, 
I know we can't get rid of him because of his contract extension, but then just keep him on the bench and play him in measly cup games or as and when you need to maybe use him like the way you use James Milner now. But I don't, he, he, I think it's costly and I think it's detrimental. And I think he has been one of the main reasons for it amongst other things, injuries and a lot of other players not just stepping up to the mark. But Henderson has always been like a constant in that regard. He's just not that player. But I don't want to bash him too much. Um, uh, but yeah, not not the best uh, display from from the captain, right? So it finished one one all at, at half time. Steve, I'm going to come to you. I mean, I thought the Reds came out quite sloppy in the second half. I can't lie. Luckily, we didn't concede because that's normally our threshold where we do concede goals when we come out and we're not actually focused or concentrating on what we need to do. But I felt like West Ham came out with a bit more fire in them. I thought Ben Rama for them actually really stepped, you know, took it, you know, you know, turned it up a notch or two. Yeah, Jimmy Milner definitely hit the right beater at half time because they did come out looking a bit slow and sleepy, didn't they? I think, <laughs> I think, I think Bowen's what woke them up. I think mm. they're all like, oh shit, actually West Ham have got a couple of players who know what they're doing. We better think about what we're doing. But they were just a little bit switched off, like they're just woken up from a 15 minute nap. It was, it was really bad. And I mean, like, I think it was within 10 minutes, Emma, you know, the ball and goal, it got ruled for offside. And it was so strange because we were on a counter-attack, yeah? Our, our strikers were on a counter-attack. I think Paqueta won it back, released the ball, and then Bowen goes off. I mean, Steve, what did you make of that? Because I know it was offside, but defensively, like, we love Virgil van Dijk, but that was awful. That was such piss-poor defending. It was piss-poor defending, but he was, I mean, he looked offside from the start. And it just, it does my head in when you hear Maka going, oh, Liverpool got away with that. Well, we didn't get away with it. He was offside. And he was made some kind of, he leaned offside. No, his entire foot was clearly offside. Um, but look, Van Dijk isn't the invincible Van Dijk he used to be. He did kind of make a bit of a hash of it. And he did it, he did it again to him later in the game. Um, I just think, like, Virgil should know better. He knows Bowen's going to cut in onto his left. That's how he scores all of his goals. And he cut in between two of our centre backs. That's just a bit embarrassing, right? It shouldn't happen. Mm. So, yeah. But Virgil needs. I think he needs a summer off. I think he needs to go on holiday with Bobby, let off some steam, and come back a, a new human being. <laughs> Bobby can baptise him. I've got to. I've got to call to you, Lisa. I mean, sloppy first. Um, uh, um, a few first ten minutes or so from from the Reds, and obviously that goal, the offside goal. Your thoughts on on the whole that whole phase of play? Yeah, um, actually, I wrote in my notes what was Virgil doing um, when that goal was scored? Because you know, I you know, we talk about decision making. To me, it feels like this whole season, Virgil's de- decision making isn't what it used to be, you know, and, and I think you, you may have a point there, Stephen, that I think he does need some time off. I, you know, a summer off. I mean, I think he's just, you know, between the, um, you know, the world cup and, and everything else. I think there's just some mental fatigue there. Um, but yes, I, I hope he is able to, you know, take a proper holiday this, this summer before the season, you know, before preseason starts. So it was, you know, the first, when the second half started, do you ever, are you ever watching the game? Maybe this is just me. And you're, you're like, you're watching it, but you're not, you know, because there's not really anything happening and you're like, oh, I need yes. to pay attention. 
Yes, <laughs> it happens. What, that's what it that's what the first, I don't know, seven, eight minutes of, of the second half felt like to me. I'm like, I need to be paying attention to this. Um so yeah, and that I mean, before you know, the disallowed goal was scored, I mean we had some really nice build up play, you know, going where and and my coverage was a little so I was kind of keeping an eye on Discord you know, the chat and discord while the, while the match was going on. And I am usually a minute or so behind gags. And I think most everybody else in there. So when it's, when they scored, I, or, you know, when the goal went in, you know, obviously it didn't count. I saw it in discord before I actually saw it on the screen. So that kind of helps sometimes because that, that will focus me to look so I can see the, the build up to what happened. And yeah, it was, but it was funny because as that on, I was seeing all that great play on our side prior to that. And I'm like, what happened? And yeah, so it, it was, but in a way, I think that was a good wake up call for us. Uh, I mean, we were incredibly lucky that, that it, you know, that it was disallowed. And, and in a way it was, it was a wake up call without um, the cost that our wake up call, you know, their goal in the, in the first half was. So um but yeah, but it was, I, I think it's what they needed to kind of kickstart them in, um, you know, in the second half. Agreed. I mean, for me, the first half flew by because it was intense stuff. It's played at a, a yes. good pace and tempo. And those, those, those first 10 minutes where you were like, you were dozing in and out, it was because the reds were poor and I felt like the quality was a bit poor. So therefore, I feel like that affects, I think it does. I think when Liverpool start playing a slow game, you begin to slow down mentally. You're not there or engaged and the game just seems to go on for like 10 years but great response from Jurgen Klopp um, Elisa brings on two subs Luis Diaz on for Jota who is doing well but probably really struggled in this game to get you know his you know his you know to make the impact that he does and Thiago coming on for Jordan Henderson and for me this is where I thought it looked like the Reds kind of got the the control and composure back and you know, I think Dia, as soon as he came on, he had so many touches, he, you know, it, and you want to see more of him because he's been out for so long. But I thought those two were very, very positive subs at that moment. Yes, I, you know, I think the changes came at the right time. You know, we we, mm-hmm. we talk about that all, you know, often about, oh, the, you know, the, the changes, why did he wait so long or, or whatever. So I think the changes came at a, at a good point in the second half and, and they were the right ones. Um you know, I think Tiago coming on was great. And, you know, and Jada, I think, you know, I think it was good. You know, he's building back some of his fitness as well from, you yes. know, the long time he was out. And again, that that knock he took, you know, early in the first half, you know, I, again, it made me sort of look at. So you have to think that might have been affecting, you know, just from a fatigue or, or whatever standpoint. So I think it was, it was a perfect, I think they were both perfect substitutions. And I felt like, as we all say all the time, you get Tiago on the field and it just felt like we had a little bit more purpose and control to how we yeah. were playing. Um, and the key word being control yeah. there, you know, like the control. <laughs> Yes. The adult has come onto the field. Um, although it's not necessarily gay, but, but somehow I do feel like that. Sometimes I feel like Tiago is kind of like the professor, you know, that walks into the classroom and is like, all right, boys and girls, let's, let's focus and, and do, and do what you know you can do, you know, and 
anyway, it's just it's just a weird thing that I think. So I felt like we we're there, and and it was it was so nice. And Diaz, I mean, I just love him, and I've missed seeing him play. And you know, he's he brings. It's not as chaotic as yeah. Nunez can be, but it's a it's a more controlled chaos, if that makes sense. Mm. There's just something about it. I think it's because he just, and I mean, and, and I don't think this about any of our players, but he is so just um, persistent isn't really the word I'm looking for, but, but, you know, he just doesn't give up. I mean, there were times there were like three of them, they were like surrounding him and he was still fighting to keep a hold or get the ball back. And, and I just mm. love that about him. No, I think persistence is a good word for him. Um, he just, like you said, he doesn't give up. And to me, like you, you called him chaos, but not like the Nunez chaos. For me, when I watch him, it's like I'm watching street football. Yes. He just, you know, he doesn't give up. He's he's skillful. He's he's got flair. He's not afraid. I love the fact that he has he has this um the 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 you know like the mental belief that I can take three players on and he will try he'll run at them and I just I love that about him uh it's it's a different skill set and a different attribute in this, in 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 our footmen which I really really appreciate and Tiago just coming on there's a fearlessness yes. about him and you know what Sadio Mane was always like that too I felt um so it you know it's just nice to see that we've basically you know replaced you know one with the other straight up but but you know that the, that's that's mm. a quality that we still have in our front line is is a player that you know is is just very very fearless and and again you know all of them have that to a certain degree but there is just something kind of gnarly about Diaz and, and, and X it's also when he's running between two defenders and somehow he still appears at the other side with the ball you're like how? Yeah. <laughs> like the only other Liverpool player I've ever watched be able to do that was Suarez, right? There would just be situations where like, there's, he's run at them, he's just losing. The, the, what the fuck? How's he still going? He should be on the floor over there somewhere. Like, he yeah. Sneak, he just like sneaks the ball through their legs while knocking them over. He's just. This, he, has, he has something that nobody else on the team has. It's hard to explain it, but he just does, doesn't he? Like, you see him with the ball, you're like, you don't. He just keeps somehow keeps going in three situations where he shouldn't keep going, and it's just fun to see. Like we've got Murray's phenomenal pace and brilliance, but to have someone who's just got that complete unpredictability of what he's even going to do with the ball, I don't know how he's going to keep it, is is exciting and something we need because we've had a lot of unexcitement this season. If that's even a word. No, it certainly is a word. And speaking of excitement, so around about seven minutes after the subs, um, Joel Matip, you can't call him a 50p head. What a bullet of a header from a corner. I mean, Steve, I'll come to you first on this one. And before I get to that, um, uh, there's, I'm just in a tweet. Joel Matip has scored a Premier League goal before Richarlison this season. <laughs> Sorry, I laugh at stupid things, but it's not stupid. It's actually brilliant considering Richarlison is a striker. Steve, Joel Matip having his moment yet again. He's just a beautiful bastard, isn't he? There's just something about Matip scoring goals. There's there's a there's a joy that you don't get from strikers because they expect to score goals. That's their job. It was a great header as well, by the way. Was, like it wasn't one of the scruffy ones. But you know yeah. what? We'd had we'd had two or three by that point. Really good corners in quite close yes. position. Um, obviously, the the commentate the commentary was so bad. Because they were looking at a penalty, weren't they? 
Yes, they were. And then the, I can't remember the person, the name of the person who was co-commentating with Maka, and he was like, oh, yeah, so we're going to see a penalty. And I was like, that's not a penalty, that's a corner, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, I just said, it's not a penalty. You've just said, so we're going to see a penalty now. No, 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 we're watching a corner. You're an idiot. Um, but the, the delivery was so good over and over and over again. Um, I think Robbo's got his corner-taking mojo back. I think the most used phrase during the entire football match was that Robbo has got the most assist of any defender in Premier League history. I think we could turn that. I think we could oh, turn that to a drinking. Drink Next time we're on, you know, a shot every time they say it. But um, they said it so many times. But yeah, I think we're starting to look really dangerous from corners again, and that is something that we have been good under, on and off under clock. So if we can get that get that weapon back, get people like Matip and. Because he attacked the ball a few times, and there was one where Fabinho goes flying in. Like, we can kick out those deliveries onto our centre backs. We know they're all good enough. We know they can all score goals. And Matic just brings an extra level of joy. Like, the first person I had to text was obviously Guy, because I know Guy is a massive fan of Matip and his limbs. So <laughs> it was great. It was, just, it was just lovely. Like, if there was one person this season who could score the goal that got us top four and then say goodbye in the summer, It'd be Matic for me, because it would just be a brilliant ending to a slightly bonkers career he's had for us. So, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I want to sound like I enjoyed it a lot, because I've been up since 5am. Oh, bless you. We will we'll keep you longer now. Um, Lisa, I think Steve's spot on there. Liverpool have not been great on set pieces this season. I think that's fair to say. Um, a really, really good header by Joel Matip. And I think even his movement in the box to actually get away from his player and just to get a clean, precise head to the ball. It was a beautiful goal. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and that's been one of the... the Liverpool and set pieces have, have been one of the more frustrating things for me just because we were so good at them for a long time. And then it is like... It had fallen off a cliff, you know? I mean, it, it had gotten to the point, you know, in previous seasons where, you know, we, I, I almost expected us to score, you know, nine times out of ten on a corner because, you know, we did so often, you know, and, and, and then it was such a disappointment. Um, so we do seem to be, you know, finding our form with the set pieces again. I absolutely agree. But, yeah, I mean, the one, the corner, obviously, just prior to that where – we should have scored. I mean, you know, the ball went everywhere except across the line. Um, you know, and Robert, you know, put it right on target that time. And it was, it was, it felt like it absolutely was just like, let's do this again and let's put it in this time. And, and Matt made sure that it did. And it was, it was, it was, it was just, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. I loved it. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My LibertyShield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, 
via TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Look at that, a bunch of happy campers. Right, I'm just going to talk about the one thing that kind of um, I, I remember, and Lisa, I'm going to stick with you because they made a couple of subs and Danny Ings came on for Antonio and... Um, we know Danny Ings, he's, he's a pretty decent player, just obviously not good enough for us. He's hardworking, he's a grafter, but I nearly had a heart attack moment when he was through on goal pretty much and Alisson had to run out, be a sweeper-keeper, put it, you know, move the ball past him and play it out wide. But and I was just like, that is why Alisson Becker is Alisson Becker. And it, even a routine win like that, you, it still, you still need an Alisson Becker moment. The, the fact that he can still show his quality I think that that will stand out for me even in this game. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he 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 did well to do that because I think absolutely that would have you know that would have been another goal for them. And um, mm. the fact that he has the confidence to come out and do that is just one of the many many things we all love about Allison Becker. So, yeah, I mean the you know the the additional subs we made were. You know, they were fine. You know, I was like, okay, you know, let's, you know, rack one more um, appearance up for, for James Milner so he can just keep adding to the tally there. And my commentator mentioned that it was 20 years and five months ago that he made his, I think it was his away Premier League debut against West Ham. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> That is doing your homework, by the way, people. Our commentators didn't do that. So fair play to you, Lisa. Yeah, you obviously, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I didn't really have any complaints about I was watching on Peacock, of course, NBC coverage. Um, and yeah, I mean, they weren't like spectacular, but they, you know, I really didn't have any complaints about them. Um, you know, I didn't notice them, which I think sometimes is the best thing you can say. The, you know, the commentators, because oftentimes it seems like when you notice them, it's because they're just they're awful or they're annoying or, or something. And, you know, when you, when you half the time, you just don't really notice them. I think in some ways that's the best compliment you can, you can give them sometimes is that that means they're just job and they're telling you what's happening, you know, without, you know, repeating the same, you know, little observation or stat or, or whatever a hundred times. And, you know, like, like they sometimes can do. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it was, it, you know, I'm just like the, the time not moving fast enough on the clock for me at this point in time. <laughs> I wanted it to go faster. Yeah, because that was when they started like sort of um, applying the pressure in the second half, certainly down the left-hand side where what you highlighted there, um, uh, Steve. But I mean, for me, that Alison moment was a little bit of a highlight for me as well in terms of like, yes, you are a majestic goalkeeper. You're fantastic. And, you know, even though, like, I don't think, you know, I don't think, I don't think West Ham really, like, did much. Like, they had a lot of the ball, but I don't think they scared me as much as I thought they would, you know, in terms of what, you know, the final ball, the quality of it. But Alison Becker just having one of those moments for me stood out. I mean, your thoughts, anything that stood out for you? 
Alison's beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I thought I thought Bowen looked quite good for them today, to be honest. Yeah, he did. Their best player. I do still think that. Um, what's his face? Who plays centre forward? Used to be a right back forward. Is massively overrated. He's literally lost his name. I can see his face. Um, Antonio. Yeah, yeah, I think he's massively overrated. Just a lump, isn't he? He's fast. Yeah, he's fast. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, like, Alison seemed to have that whole situation under control. And it was just lovely to see that hair and amazing beard brushing out and just dealing with it. And then, but also not panicking, like he's done recently making a stupid pass. He kept the ball and yeah. touch and sensibly gave it to somebody else and got back in goal. I did. My only worry for the whole match was like, is he going to do a bar test and just go on a mad run? Because he's in that case. No, he's going to give the ball to him and go and bag him. He's got where he should be. But I actually thought we were going to score another one. I don't know why. I just like, we're going to score another one. It's going to be a nice, easy pod release. I'm not going to worry about losing the streak. And we're going to score another <laughs> one. My only disappointment was actually that we didn't. We didn't get Darwin one because they had a couple of little, little moments where he got crowded out a few times. But. It was quite unremarkable, wasn't it, the second half, apart from Matip's beautiful moment and Alison's hair. It's true. Um, uh, I do think, though, the two subs that came in, I think they, I don't know, I felt like we were on the front foot, um, uh, certainly, you know, in terms of controlling things. And then, obviously, I think, you know, legs tire out. But you're right, it was just like a routine kind of standard win. And I do agree with Lisa there in the sense that, you know, your mind does switch off because it wasn't, an amazing performance, you know, like it wasn't like world class. It was just this is what you expect from Liverpool to go and win those kind of games. And the season that we've had, I think we we're in that situation where we 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 want to overpraise a win because they've not been as frequent as what they should have. Like last season, remember we every season we'd win and we just shrug our shoulders. Like yeah, we beat somebody five nil. It it was expected of us, and I think we expected that from the team. And I think this season's very different. But, guys, I think we spoke at length about the game. Is there anything you kind of want to highlight before we move on to Man of the Match? Lisa, I'll come to you. Anything you want to highlight and your Man of the Match? Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered it. I am torn on my Man of the Match. Um, you know, I I mean, obviously, you want to say matchup because, of the, you know, that just absolutely fantastic. Goal. You know what? I think I'm going to say, and I know, you know, he came off, but I want to say Cody Gakpo, just because I think consistently he was the best player on the pitch tonight. So I'm giving it to Cody Gakpo. I love that. I love that shout. Um, uh, Steve, anything? I know it's late for you. As, I mean, you know, you've been up since five o'clock. It's been a long day for you. Um, so anything you want to highlight from the game and who is your man of the match? Isn't Tiago wonderful? No brainer. He's just—he's got a little bit of snide. He's just—he's just wonderful. It wasn't a handball, by the way. That was stupid. I mean, that was handball as much as the ball hitting Creswell's arm on the line. They, yeah, they, they were both stupid. If anything, they've been given. No, he's just such a wonderful footballer, and almost like the diagonal with him and with him in front of Fabinho and Trent to the right. There are going to be some games where. When Mirror gets the low block, I think it's going to just be so effective if we can make it work. Like he's just such a wonderful footballer, and seeing him for 
I'm enjoying this cameo role he's having to the end. Of, I'm hoping we don't see him start too many games unless we really need him, just because I want to see him fit and strong and able to start 25 times next season. I think he's such a wonderful footballer. But uh, my man of the match is I'm going to go for Trent because yeah. he's really like he's making a difference to the players around him. So there's nothing he did spectacular today. He was just very, very good, but he made other players better. He made Matic better. He made Fabinho, which made the centre-backs in general better. He just made everyone look better at playing football today. Um, I said, I'm not by doing something spectacular, just by being composed on the ball and smart and making really good defensive runs back. And we want to see one of the world's best footballers being good again. So hopefully we're back on a trajectory of Trent being one of the best in the world again. I love that. Both of those are great shouts. Um, For me, I wanted to give it to Trent because for all the reasons that you've mentioned there, I just feel like when he's in the mood to play, it's not even about his crossing. It's about what he's done today in terms of, you know, being involved in the midfield, you know, and then sort of shifting back, enjoying himself. We He's made players look better. That's a no, that's an absolute no-brainer. And um, I think he's had it quite bad as well from the press and just people in, fo- in the football world in general. So I really, I thought he's had a couple of good performances. I think he's been pretty okay after the World Cup, I can't lie. But in this position, I like it. It's very interesting and uh, long may it continue. And other players seem to be enjoying it as well. There was an article on AI actually and um, Virgil van Dijk talking about the new system and saying that we're adapting to it, but we really like it. The players seem to be really happy with it. So, you know, two thumbs up from me there. If the players have bought into this new change up of a system and formation, we've been crying for it. And if it's changed and one of our players is really flourishing and it's getting the best out of everyone, it's amazing. So Trent for me, but although Cordy Gakpo, again, I love the fact that he came in the, in, in the winter window and he's now looking like, um, uh, you know, a serious player. But guys, that was our post-match call-in show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, a big thank you to these two. Before I let them go, I will get some plugs from them. Steve, anything you'd like to plug? No, just the usual course and trouble on Discord. Go and check Steve, um, Steve out on Discord. He causes mayhem. Join our community. It's awesome. Lisa, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything that you're working on? Oh, you can find me, as always, on both Twitter and Instagram, at LMarieMH. Um should be back this week with the main Anfield Index podcast. Um, we, we took a week off just for scheduling reasons and conflicts, but I think we should be back this um, on Friday again. So, yeah, check out Prev and Cam or whoever, whoever joins us this week. And, um, yeah, up the reds. Wonderful. Um, yep, do give Lisa a follow. And um, yep, um, a massive thank you to Kieran that called in as well. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you for your questions and joining us live on Discord. Um, take care and I'll be back on, on Sunday, hopefully for another three points. Um, until next time, take care and up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.